Help defend the church by becoming a supporter of Family Life International. Your contributions enable us to continue our work to promote the faith, defend the family and promote the sanctity of life. Make a real difference today. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk slash donate. Let us begin with a prayer as the topic we discuss in concerns our salvation and whenever we speak about God we should always invoke the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Come Holy Ghost, fill the hearts of thy faithful and kindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created. Let us pray, O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant by the same Spirit, we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Our Lady of Fatima, Saint Joseph, Blessed Jacinta and Francesco, pray for us. Our guardian angels, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. First of all, I hope that, um, and I trust, I believe most people came here because of the topic, Phantom and Our Times, and not because of the speaker. It's very difficult now to speak about Fatima because the subject matter is so vast and so complicated. And when I was asked to prepare the talk um, last week, I was thinking, well, what's the best way to approach it? And then not knowing the kind of audience I would have, I thought certainly the, what's important is to have a good idea of the historical background of Fatima. What actually happened at Fatima? Why is it so important? So this would be the first part of the talk. Our times, we're all familiar with it, and so there's going to be just a brief outline of the concerns that we have. And then, what I think is very important, what can we do about it? And so, I'm hoping that something practical will come out of this. And if we have time, I'm open to questions, which I hope I will be able to answer, or at least the Holy Spirit will be able to answer. So, Fatima and our times. The story of Fatima is of great concern to us today. The history of Fatima is, well, has more than a thousand years behind it, but for the for the um, apparitions that appeared in 1917, it has a one-year um, anticipation. In other words, the story begins in 1916, a hundred years ago this year. In the, in the spring of 1916, three children, um, Lucia, or Lucia, and Dos Santos, and her two cousins, brother and sister, Francesco 
and um, Jacinta were looking after their sheep. They were um, about seven years, six years old, seven years old, and uh, nine years old. They were children in a small country hamlet in Fatima. They knew nothing of the world or anything else. They came from devout families, as they were, families were at that time. They were not poor. They were not rich. They had the basic communities of life. And in the spring, they, because of their age, they did not read or write. Their age, they didn't even know what time, what dates were or months were. They just knew the four seasons. And so in her memoirs, Sister Lucia says, in the spring, we were looking after the sheep when they saw a light. And in the light, there was a young man, very beautiful. And he spoke to them. All we know is that this happened in the spring of 1916. And the young man said to them, do not be afraid. I am the angel of peace. Pray with me. And then falling down, he said, my God, I believe, I adore, I trust, and I love you. I beg pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not trust, and do not love you. And he kept repeating this, and the children imitated him. And then he said, pray thus, the hearts of Jesus and Mary are attentive to the voice of your supplications. And he left. The children, um, Lucia, who, who wrote her, the memoirs, said they were exhausted after the apparition of this angel. But they repeated the prayer as often as they remembered. Sometime in the summer, they were again looking after their sheep, and they were playing. And again the angel appeared and said, what are you doing? Pray. Pray a great deal. The hearts of Jesus and Mary have designs of mercy for you. Offer up prayers and sacrifices to the Most High. They asked, well, what is a sacrifice? And the angels responded, make everything you do a sacrifice and offer it as an act of reparation for the sins by which God is offended and in supplication for the conversion of sinners. So he's asking for prayers and sacrifices for two things. First of all, um, an act of reparation to the Divine Majesty and also for the conversion of sinners. And then he continues, bring peace to your country in this way. I am its guardian angel, the angel of Portugal. Above all, accept and bear with submission the sufferings sent to you by our Lord. These are little children, and he's asking them to accept sufferings. They didn't, they didn't have the capacity to understand what suffering was. But an angel is asking them to accept the sufferings that God would send. In the autumn of that same year, again the angel appeared, and this time he had a chalice with a horse suspended above it, and blood was dripping into the chalice. And then he left the chalice suspended in the air, prostrated himself, 
And he prayed, Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly. Offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences by which he is offended, and through the infinite merits of the most sacred heart of Jesus, and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg the conversion of poor sinners. And then, standing up, he gave the children Holy Communion. Now only Lucia had made the First Communion, and so he gave her the host, and to the two younger children he gave the chalice, saying, Take and drink the body and blood of Jesus Christ, horribly outraged by ungrateful men. Repair their crimes and console your God. These three messages focus on two things, sin and the conversion of sinners. The children's lives were changed. They were willing and ready to make sacrifices. Lucia would say that when the angel left them, they always felt exhausted. They felt as if they had been drained. But at the same time, they felt a great joy. In 1916, the First World War was at its height. It was a, effectively a stalemate. Neither side were, could win. Men were being killed for just a few feet of land. 1917 came and the situation became worse. The Pope at the time, Benedict XV, made an attempt to settle the dispute peacefully. He had a plan for peace, which was rejected by the American president, who said, why is that old man interfering in what's not his business? And so the Pope, on the 4th of May, called the children to St. Peter's, and at the same time he sent out a letter to all the bishops asking them to pray for peace. This was the 4th of May. Nine days later, the children, these three children, were in the Covadaria in Portugal, in Fatima, and they saw a flash of light, thinking it might have been a, a storm um, threatening, they tried to gather the sheep. And suddenly, they saw a globe of light descending from the east and resting on a little holmog. And in the globe of light, they saw this beautiful woman, a young girl. And They were totally transfixed. She said, do not be afraid. Lucia, who was the only one to speak, said, where do you come from? From heaven. And what do you think the children asked? Will we go to heaven too? And she said, yes. And that, of course, is 
I think, a, a question, a valid question, and something I'm sure all of us would like to have the same answer for. Will we go to heaven? She asked the children to return on the 13th of each month. She promised that they would go to heaven and that one of their friends, Maria das Neves, was in heaven and Amelia, who had died a few months before, would be in purgatory until the end of time. Now, Amelia was a young girl. She barely in her teens. And yet Our Lady could say that she would be in purgatory until the end of time. Do we believe in purgatory, by the way? Again, she asked the children if they were willing to suffer. Do you wish to offer up to God all the sufferings he desires to send you in reparation for the sins by which he is offended and in supplication for sinners? So it's a repeat of the angelic message. And of course the children, full of generosity, responded, yes. At that point, the lady opened her hands and light poured out of the palms of her hands, similar to the, um, the vision at Rudabak, to St. Catherine Bore, except in that case, Our Lady wore rings, and the light represented the graces that she pours out on us. And then from the light, the children were able to see themselves in God. And they cried out, O most holy trinity, I adore thee. My God, my God, I love thee in the most blessed sacrament. The lady then said to them, Pray the rosary every day in order to obtain peace for the world and an end of the war. And this is nine days after Pope Benedict the 15th had asked the children to pray. Pray for an end to the war. Pray that the, their fathers and their brothers and uncles and cousins would return home. The children decided that they would not say anything about the vision. They hadn't said anything about the angelic vision. They felt, uh, in the case of the angel, a necessity to keep quiet. But with Our Lady, it was different. They, they said they would say nothing. But of course, as soon as um, J Jacinta got home, what did she do? She immediately said, we saw a lady in the cover. And of course, the message spread like wildfire. And Lucia's mother was not very impressed and thought that uh, Lucia was lying. The only person who believed was, in fact, Jacinta's father, who knew, one, that his children did not lie, and two, the branch that they had taken from the cover, from the holmok, on which the lady had stood, had a fragrance that was heavenly. He was the only one who believed and gave the children the support. And so, the 13th of June came, and this was the feast day of St. Anthony. And there was a big fiesta in the village. And Lucia was uncertain whether to go. But the 
eventually she did go. And again, the, the same thing, there's a flash of light, the lady descended in the globe, stood on the tree, its little branches bent, and again, she spoke to them. I want you to come here on the 13th of next month. I want you to pray the rosary every day and to learn to read. Later, I will tell you what else I want. She then made a promise to take Jacinta and Francesco to heaven. And Lucia was to remain. This saddened Lucia and said, am I to remain here all alone? I said, no, my heart will be your refuge and your consolation. And again, opening her hands, the light being poured out, and the light swept the two younger children upwards towards heaven, and the case of Lucia over the face of the earth. And then the, the, she, the globe, the light gathers around her, and she goes up towards the east. So, more people had heard about this, and it was making um, news in other parts of the province. So when the 13th of July was approaching, Lucia was uncertain. She didn't like the publicity. She certainly didn't like the way her mother was treating her, who thought she was lying. Um, there were people asking questions all the time, and she wanted to be done with this thing. And she had made a resolution she, was, she would not go to the cover on the 13th. In addition to this, she had a terrible dream in which she saw the devil and thought perhaps it was a, a deceit of the devil. But the, she went to, the, to her cousins and said to her that she would not go back to the cover. The two younger children wept and they knelt down and prayed. And then at the last moment, Lucia came and said, let's go, let's go, we are late. And so arriving there, as usual, just before midday, the light again comes from the east and the virgin appears. And she said to them, I want you to come here on the 13th of next month. Continue to pray the rosary every day in honor of Our Lady, in order to obtain peace for the world and an end to the war because only she can obtain it. Only she can obtain it. And then she made the promise of a miracle. She said she would work a miracle in October so that everybody would believe the message. Now this is an incredible thing because it meant once the, the promise, once the miracle had been declared, it meant that everything would depend on it, whether the children were telling the truth or not. And in addition to this, in Fatima, there was installed, sorry, in Portugal, there was installed a Masonic government that was exceedingly anti-Christian, anti-Catholic, anti-religion, anti-God. And they were determined to crush all forms of religion in the country. So there was also that in the background as well. Of course, the um, 
children had no idea of the dynamics in which they had found themselves. But the promise of the miracle had been given. And then the lady said, sacrifice yourself for sinners and say often, especially when you make some sacrifice. Oh Jesus, this is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So we come back to the same theme again. Reparation for the sins committed against the Divine Majesty. This is a hundred years ago. What about our time? The sins that are committed now were not even dreamed of a hundred years ago. For conversion of sinners, and of course, the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart, blasphemy against the Holy Virgin. And then the lady opened her hands again, and this time she pointed it to the earth, and the earth opened up and the children had a vision of hell. They saw souls of people in this great cauldron of fire and demons in the shape of terrifying animals. And Lucy wrote, we would have died if we were not certain that Our Lady had promised to take us to heaven. Do we believe in hell? The Virgin looked very sadly at them and said, God wishes to establish devotion to my Immaculate Heart. If this is done, from obedience, many souls will be saved, peace will be given, otherwise there will be war. She also said it was to save souls from going to that place that she had come. She also made another promise or gave another sign. She said, on a when, the, when you see a night lit up by an unknown light, know that this is a sign God is given, that he's about to punish the world with another war. And then went on to, to ask for the consecration of Russia and the communion of reparation. She said she would come back to ask for this specifically, saying, if this is done, Russia will be converted and peace will be given. If not, Russia will spread its errors, wars throughout the world, and there will be annihilation of nations. But in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. And then she added a coda to the rosary, or to each decade of the rosary. O oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need of your mercy. And then she departed as usual. There were more people now who witnessed this apparition, or at least saw the, the children there, heard them cry out when they saw the vision of hell, but of course the crowds didn't know why. They could 
see that Lucia was speaking. They couldn't hear exactly what was being said. But it was sufficient to draw even more people the following month. And at this point, the administration became very upset in the person of the man, Arturo Santos, who was a Freemason, who was also the mayor of Orem, and who was anti-Catholic, anti-Christian, anti-God, and was determined to crush this nonsense once and for all. But the crowds were of such size that he dared not make a frontal attack. And so a little subterfuge. He, he turned up at the children's house in his um, vehicle and said he would take them to the Kova himself. So he could hardly do anything else. This is a man in authority. He had the police with him. So the children got into the car and off he went in the opposite direction. He kidnapped the children. And taking them um, he, to, the, to the station, he interrogated them, intimidated them, threatened them. He wanted to know what the secret was. He wanted them to deny that, the, that anybody appeared. He wanted them to say that they'd been put up to this by the church authorities, and the children would not budge. These are, this, the children were under 10 years old. He threatened to boil them in oil, and in fact, they thought they were being killed when he took them out one by one, starting with Jacinta first. Exasperated, because he couldn't get anything, they were willing to die rather than to to deny what had happened or to reveal the secret. The, he, he left them in the prison with hardened criminals. And in the cell, the children were able, just by their innocence and grace, they were able to convert those hardened criminals. Meanwhile, at the Kova, the crowd, the substantial crowd had, had gathered and the children didn't appear. But at 12 noon, they saw this, the light dim, the crowd saw the light dim, and then something seemed to move from the east. They couldn't say what it was, but when it came, it descended, landing above the Holmog. They could see the branches bend as if someone was standing on it. They waited, and then nothing floated up, but the scent remained. They remembered that. Four days later, the children uh, were at a place called Valinas when the Our Lady appeared to them there. And she, she said to them, I want you to continue going to the Kova on the 13th and to continue to pray the rosary every day. He said, in the last month, I will perform the miracle so that all will believe. However, the miracle will not be as great. So one man's sin, Arturo Santos' kidnapping of the children, had caused 
punishment in a way, inasmuch as a lesser miracle was going to be worked. September, of course, more people had heard of it. There was outrage that the children had been kidnapped, so the news had spread even further, and even more people were coming. Again, the lady appeared at noon, as always, and said, continue to pray the rosary in order to obtain an end to the war. And then she made a promise that the following month, our Lord, Our Lady of Sorrows, Our Lady of Carmel, Mount Carmel, St. Joseph the Child Jesus would come and bless the, the crowd. So now the, this miracle is confirmed, even though it will not be the same magnitude. The newspapers are outraged, and for the whole of um, the month, from the middle of September to October, there, was, there were articles after articles talk, talking and writing um, about um, church authorities had um, deceived the children, were using the children, manipulating children, that a miracle had been promised, and this was in the anti-Catholic press, a miracle had been promised, and they were certain that no miracle would manifest itself, and therefore you can bury religion. As you can imagine, the clergy were very unhappy for all of this, and they gave, gave no support or even appearance of supporting the children or the, or the, or the um, apparitions. And so October came. On the, from about the 11th of October, there was rain in Europe. A great storm and this went all, all, all right through Portugal yet people came in their thousands it's estimated that there were more than 70,000 people many of them had walked over the two or three days to get there the as you can imagine the parents were very agitated because they thought that this is the end. The, 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 they didn't believe that it was a miracle. The crowds would be enraged. They would probably kill the children. It was just bad news all around. Lucia's mother begged her to tell the truth and say that she'd made it up. So the children made their way to the Kofa amid this torrential rain. There were people from all parts of Portugal. But most important, the press were there, the media. They had come to scoff. They were certain that nothing would happen, and this was the end of religion, the end of the church, the end of God. There were pictures of the crowds, some with umbrellas, because of the intensity of the rain. They were nearly half their, their, their feet were in mud. The most had to walk because the, the carts and the, the cars could not use the roads. It was just waterlogged. And then the children arrived. Lucius shouted, 
close your umbrellas. It was noon. And people did. And then she said, look at the sun. The lady had appeared on the homework. <clears throat> she said, I want, you, I, want, <clears throat> I want to tell you that I want a chapel to be erected here in my honor, for I am the Lady of the Rosary. Continue praying the Rosary every day. The war will end soon. The soldiers will return to their homes. Amend life. Do not offend God. Then, opening her hands, she cast the light up towards the sun. At that point, Lucia said, look at the sun. And the crowd looked up, and there they, they saw the, crowd, the clouds open up, and they could see the sun shining, dull at first, and then growing brighter in all of its glory. Yet their eyes were not injured by this. And then the sun began to change color, casting light, the rainbow colors all over the crowds, so that everything took the hue of the color. You were seeing people in blue and, and, um, and red and orange and so on. This was seen not only by the people in the Kova, but even those who did not come to the Kova in the surrounding villages. They saw it as well, not knowing what it was. In addition to this, the sun began to spin. And of course, you can imagine the astonishment of the crowds, which changed into terror when it suddenly dislodged itself from the heavens and seemed about to crash into the earth. And what did you do? Well, the crowds did exactly the same. They fell on their knees, confessing their sins and begging pardon. They thought, in fact, it was the end of the world. And just as suddenly as it had dislodged itself, it stopped and went back, shining in the heavens, as it always does, and as if it had done nothing at all. There are pictures before and after. Pictures of the people with their umbrellas soaked in mud, and pictures of them kneeling on dry ground. Because when the, by the time the sun had returned, not, their clothes were dry, and the earth which had been waterlogged was bone dry. And we believe this not because the children said so, but because the reporters who were anti-Christian, anti-Catholic, and anti-God, who were skeptical, who were unbelievers, themselves in the same paper, had the courage and the honesty to report that miracle. So God would use his enemies to be witnesses of his miracle, in very much the same way as the resurrection. In fact, there is a connection here. Only twice has a public miracle been promised for a particular day and, in this case, a particular time. The only other miracle promised is the resurrection of our Lord from the dead. I will rise on the third day. 
No other time has a miracle been promised. All of this I'm saying so that you can understand how important Fatima is because the Lord has given us such definite and clear signs to verify the truth of what happened on the 13th of October, 1917. The children, however, didn't see the sun dance, as it was called by the people. What they saw were three tableaux. They saw in the first, St. Joseph with the child Jesus, and Our Lady in white with a blue mantle, who blessed the crowd. In the second tableau, they saw Our Lord and Our Lady of Sorrows. And in the third, Our Lady Mount Carmel, which of course is essentially the rosary. St. Joseph, the child Jesus, and Our Lady is the joyful mysteries. Our Lord is a grown man, and Our Lady of Sorrows, a sorrowful mystery. And Our Lady Mount Carmel, the glorious mysteries. So again, the, the message is the rosary. Pray the rosary. The result was the chapel was speedily built, which incidentally was knocked down and blown up, but it was rebuilt again. The investigation by the church began. The miracle was indisputable. There were so many witnesses. Testimonials were taken by the hundreds. There were 70,000 people there. It's known it couldn't be a mass hallucination. No one knew what to expect. And when you, people, when you have a mass hallucination, you, not everybody sees the same thing. And th there are many other um, interesting facts about it. But the point is, the miracle is certain. It did happen. Luce, the, the two um, younger children died um, in 1919 and 1920 from the influenza that passed over Europe. Of course, the war ended in 1918. The soldiers returned, and it seemed as if everything was going to be back to normal, but hardly. The Lucy, Lucia went into um, a convent um, in, in Spain. And there, in 1929, on the 13th of June, Our Lady appeared to her in Thai in Spain. And in a great and sublime vision, representing the Blessed Trinity, she announced, and I quote, the moment has come for God to ask the Holy Father to make in union of the bishops of the world, all the bishops of the world, the consecration of Russia to my Immaculate Heart. By this means, he promises to save Russia. Now, Our Lady, when Our Lady first spoke of Russia in, in um, July of 1917, Russia was a monarchy. The Tsar was the emperor. A month after, in, well, in November, what is it now, November 1917, the Tsar was deposed, 
and communism, with Lenin at the head, had taken over Russia. Russia became then the first atheistic state. Under Lenin, who died in 1924, and Stalin, who took over, thousands, thousands, millions of people died. Religion was crushed. Children were not allowed to be taught religion. It was very dangerous. If it were done and the authorities found out, the whole family would be exterminated, and so on. And so when Our Lady appeared in 1929 and said, the moment has come when God wishes to ask the Holy Father, together with and in union with all the bishops of the world, to consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart, a promise was made. By this means, he promises to save Russia by the consecration. Well, what happened, the question is, what happened in 1929 that already could say the moment had come? And the answer, in fact, is that Stalin had begun the persecution of both the Catholic Church and the Russian Orthodox Church. And he had done so so efficiently that the, the, hier the um, hierarchy, the bishops, in Russia had been reduced from 130 to 28. Or basically, 80% of the bishops had been killed. And the clergy, priests, from 50,000 to 500. So only 1% of the priests survived. And 90% of the churches were destroyed. That's how draconian his methods were. Unfortunately, the message the, the, about the consecration was not um, taken to heart. And so two years later, on August the 19th, our Lord appears to Sister Lucia and said, since the church's pastors, um, and said to her um, that he was displeased about the delay in carrying out the consecration and said, make it known to my ministers that given that they followed the example of the King of France in delaying the execution of my command, they will follow him also into misfortune. Who was the King of France referred to? Well, it is in fact Louis XIV, the Sun King who was a gift given to France. His parents, um, Louis XIII, and, um, had succeeded to a very troubled country. The, the wars of um, religion had been going on for um, decades. And to solve the problem, Henry of Navarre became a Catholic. Louis his successor, Louis XIII, knew that if he died without an heir, the, the wars of religion would return. So he begged and had the whole of France praying for an heir, and 
sure enough, Louis the, the, he had a son who would become Louis XIV at the age of seven. He was a sun king. Uh, at that, in, eight, in 1689, our Lord appeared to a nun, who is now Saint Margaret Mary Alacoc, and asked that the king consecrate France, his family, and himself to the Sacred Heart, promising that if he did so, he would make the king the most glorious of all the kings of the earth. A promise similarly made to, to um, Solomon. Well, the king didn't do it. Neither did his son, nor his grandson. So Louis the Fourteenth didn't do it. Louis the Fifteenth didn't do it. Neither did Louis the Sixteenth. I think they were great. This is grandsons. Then, on a hundred years later, to the date, the French Revolution broke out with the Fourth Estate. To the day, and Louis the Sixteenth was executed. And so when the Lord makes this, says they will follow the king of France into misfortune, we have to be very concerned. Our Lady had also said that on the, in, in the Ju July apparition, on the night that is lit up by an unknown light, know that this is the sign God gives that he's about to punish the world with war. The night in question was the 25th, 26th of January, 1938, when a mysterious light covered the sky in the evening and extended over a large part of the Northern Hemisphere. And that would be from the Urals right through to, to Alaska. The whole night was lit up by this very bright red light, which was very unusual. And some people thought it was an Aurea Borealis, but that could not be for two reasons. First of all, the northern lights are caused by sunspots. And at that time, there was only a minimum of them recorded. And secondly, the mysterious illumination of the sky, a bright red color, with no streaks of movements whatsoever, was entirely different from normal occurrences. So it was evidently a supernatural light of some sort. So there's no scientific explanation to offer. But Sister Lucy said, this is the predicted sign of the Lord that he's about to chastise the world by another war. And then we know that the Second World War began. But what is very interesting is that at the time of that apparition, there was in something happening in Russia. A spy was being interrogated. His name was Rakovsky. He, he was, in fact, an um, uh, ambassador to, to the UK at one point. But he was being um, uh, interrogated, and he made a bargain. He said that if his life was spared, 
he would give Stalin information that would, that would, get, would um, save him from the assassination attempt. Of course, Stalin listened. And essentially what he learned, what Stalin learned was that there was a plan for um, Hitler to attack Russia. Stalin didn't have the manpower, he didn't have the, the wherewith to withstand an attack by, Russia, by Germany. So the plan was that he would join with Germany, they would have an alliance, and they would attack Poland and divide Poland between them. The, the um, uh, Radovsky promised Stalin that if he did this, Russia would not be blamed for the attack on Poland, only Germany. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. But what, during that interrogation, this light was shining all the way through. And so consequently, you, we have the Russian and, and, and the Nazi alliance that broke out in a, a full-scale Second World War. The light was seen in London, throughout France, in Switzerland, as I said, Alaska, and it was so bad that fire engines were racing up and down looking for the fire. And this, again, was reported in the New York Times, in the British Times, and in other newspapers throughout Europe. It's not a figment of imagination or a story that's made up. Well, everything went, seemed to go well until um, Hitler decided that he was going to invade Russia. And he, he launched a surprise attack. But Stalin was, a, as he said, a cunning fox, to say the least. He managed to get one of the Russian Orthodox bishops on his side, uh, a man called Sergei Stragorovsky. And this bishop called for all believers to join the struggle for the salvation of the motherland. And of course, re religion now became a tool of the um, Soviets. Pope Pius XII was the Pope at the time, and in 1942, in October, October 31st, he consecrated the world to the Immaculate Heart. And then the following year, in fact just six months later, the Germans were repelled at the Battle of Stalingrad, and that was the first major defeat. Stalin, at this point, recognized the patriotic value of religion. He pretended to liberate the Russian Orthodox Church, he put Sergei in charge as, as elect as the Patriarch of Moscow, and it seemed as if everything was going as he had planned. He then had the Russian Orthodox Church seek membership from the World Council of Churches, which was given to it, and from that moment, the World Council of Churches became an organ of the Soviets. It helped to spread communism 
agitate and cause wars in many parts of the world. And so we, we move forward some to 1958 when John XXIII, um, when Pius had died. Pius had intended to consecrate the um, Russia with, in union with the bishops as was required. However, he was frustrated in that by an article written by a priest called Danis, who was a Jesuit. And this priest, who certainly was no fool, he claimed that Fatima was a myth. He couldn't deny the reality of the miracles, so he said, yes, something did happen. But the rest of it, he agreed, yes, there was the apparition and so on. But he said, the story about the war and hell and so on, that was a myth made up by impressionable children. And from that moment, the whole message became dampened. And this was about 1954. So when Pius died, John XXIII became Pope, he read the secret and said, this is not a message for our time. He went on to speak about the prophets of doom who see disaster everywhere. And of course, from then on, we, we know that the council was called and the whole world changed in 1960. That was in the, 19, the 1960s, especially the great revolutions. And it's not just the political revolutions or the national revolutions. What is so dangerous is the sexual revolution, which was launched and in which we are right now in full swing. And this, I believe, is the greatest danger that we face. The, you may have noticed that I made no reference to the secret, um, because it's just for simple reason that it's so controversial at the moment. But Sister Lucia was very ill in the, in, soon after the war, and the bishop of um, Laia thought that she would pass away, so he asked her to write the secret down, which she did with difficulty, and it was given to him. It ended up in Rome, and the, the instructions were that it was to be opened at the latest in 1960. Um, John the 23rd was Pope. He read the secret and said, this is not a message for our time. And since then, it's, it's been a source of mystery and a little confusion, which I think can possibly be a distraction um, for us at this particular time. So we look at the times in which we live. First of all, there's rampant secularization, basically practical atheism everywhere. We can even say this atheism appears in the church, certainly from the kinds of remarks that, that um, we have bishops and even cardinals making. We have to ask ourselves, do they believe? Relativism, which Pope Benedict XVI had complained, 
which is essentially truth is what you want it to be. I have my truth, you have your truth, and let's live like that. There is no absolute truth. There are no absolute norms by which we have to live or even believe. There's a loss of faith, and the popes have consistently been complaining, lamenting about this. There's a loss of the sense of sin. And even among um, devout Catholics, sin doesn't seem to be such a big deal anymore. There's a loss of the sense of the sacred, of reverence. There's the rejection of the natural law. And now there's a rejection of being, which seems as if we have become, we, are, we reach a stage where we are mocking God. With all of the transgender well, theories, you know, men can become women, women become men, etc., or at least claim to, it seems to be mocking God. God revealed himself to Moses as, I am who I am, or I will be what I will be, but essentially it's, it's reckon, generally recognized that I am what I am. But now we have people saying, I will be what I want to be. There's an attack on the family. There's much confusion in the church, especially in the last few years. There's an intolerance of any kind of suffering, and that's why the call for euthanasia is so loud. There's general uncertainty everywhere, and there is war. War at, on all fronts. And the situation is not looking promising to get any better. In fact, it's looking to be worse, especially with the elections that are imminent next month. And Russia has not been converted. There are claims that the consecration was done, but I certainly do not believe that it was done for the simple reason God is always faithful. He always keeps his promises. If Our Lady said that when Russia is consecrated to her Immaculate Heart, Russia will be converted, then it must be converted and must seem to be converted. When asked specifically, why was this necessary? The response was, so that my church might recognize the conversion came about because of the intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And, as a consequence, elevate the Feast of the Immaculate Heart to the same level as that of my Sacred Heart. Immediately after the Council, the Feast of the Immaculate Heart of Mary was disappeared. So, we have all of these problems at our time, in our own time, which we are familiar with. And there does not seem to be any way in which we can extricate ourselves from it. The consecration depends not on us, laity or priests. It depends on the Pope and the bishops. 
They're the ones who have to do it. All we can do is pray and beg and beseech, but we can't do it. But there is something that we can do. We can consecrate ourselves. We can consecrate our families. And no doubt, we will get, we will be protected by the Immaculate Heart. Now, I believe the conversion of, of Russia will be as dynamic as the conversion of Mexico. When Our Lady appeared in Mexico in 1531 to Juan Diego, she gave him an image of herself on his tilma. The tilma was brought um, to the bishop who saw it and recognized it immediately as miraculous. He placed it, he had the chapel built and he placed the tilma in the chapel. The Indians, the Aztecs, who for the most part were hostile to the Spanish conquistadors, hostile to the church, hostile to the religion, to Christianity, to Catholicism, they came, when they heard about the image, they came and they looked at it. And what happened? They were converted. They immediately asked for the waters that give life, baptism. And with seven short years, more than 10 million Indians entered the church. And not just that, Catholicism spread throughout the Americas, going southward and going northward. It would be another hundred years before the first Pilgrim Fathers would sail across and introduce Protestantism in, in the U.S., well, what is now the U.S., it would introduce the Americas. But all of the new, the new world was Catholic. That is an example that if God makes a promise, he will keep it. If Mexico and the Americas could be converted, why not Russia as in the same way. But in addition to that, there were other signs given of the protection that the Immaculate Heart affords, inasmuch as Spain, because the Spanish bishops consecrated Spain to the Immaculate Heart, as did the Portuguese bishops. And they were preserved from the Second World War. So we, in turn, we can consecrate ourselves and ask the, the protection of our Blessed Lady. But what does Fatima mean for us today? In a world, in a church, where there is so much confusion and doubt, Fatima is a summary of the Gospel. Everything we believe as Catholics is somehow or other contained in the message of Fatima. Where shall we begin? How about the Trinity, the Blessed Trinity? The mystery of the Blessed Trinity was affirmed by the angel in all three apparitions in 1916. And yet today we have bishops claiming that all religions are the same, we have the Assisi Dabak, 
where all religions come together as equal, each praying to its own God. We need to hold on to the reality that our religion, Christianity, is a revealed religion. God has made himself known to us. All other religions are man-made. Divine providence is also um, revealed in the message of Fatima. That is, that the Blessed Trinity directs and governs the world and presides over all human affairs and history. Things are not random. There is a plan and it's moving towards it. What we need to remember is God desires the salvation of all of us. So we have to cooperate with his plan. The omnipotence and omniscience of God who knows all things and realizes all things according to his exalted designs. He works miracles and signs to show that his promises are true and valid. Nowhere else in all of scripture has there been a promised miracle on a particular day except that of the resurrection of our Lord. Also, the angel revealed that God rewards and punishes according to the good or evil done, although he is always ready to show mercy to sinners, repentant sinners. And this is one word that's disappeared, repentant sinners. We're all sinners. Some of us are repentant, and we need to remember that. In the Marian apparitions in, in um, May and in July, Our Lady spoke of the reality of heaven, of purgatory, and of hell. Nowadays, we have very bright theologians who dismiss the idea of hell. We don't hear about hell anymore, but it is a reality that we need to keep constantly in mind. Although if there is no hell, then from what did Christ save us? In the angelic appearances, we hear of the existence of angels. And not just angels, but also of guardian angels. And not just guardian angels of individuals, but guardian angels of countries. And we have a whole theology of, of angels, which I'm sure a lot of the younger people have never heard of. And so we need to keep close to our angels, invoking their assistance and their protection. Do that constantly. If there are angels, then there are also demons, devils. And so we need to remember the scriptures that the devil goes around like a roaring lion looking for someone whom to devour. Our Lord spoke of him as well. The father of lies. I saw Lucifer fall like lightning from heaven and so on. We have the angel teaching us also about the real presence of our Lord in the most blessed sacrament. 
and of the necessity and value of Holy Communion. So Holy Communion is not just a ritual, something we do without any thought. We just come up and receive because we just come up and receive. No, we have to remember we are receiving someone. And in the beautiful motet sung, in both of them, you know, we, we recall that we are receiving the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our blessed Lord. It's a person whom we receive. And therefore, we should speak with him, converse with him, thank him. The angel also, in the second apparition, talked of sanctity or holiness as a condition for true happiness, even on earth, and the need to correspond to grace, and that there is a strange mixture between the divine action and the human effort, that God sends us sufferings not to punish us, but to purify us, to make us more like himself, and the model for all suffering, of course, is that of our Lord. So, the Lord himself tells us that we have to deny ourselves every day, take up our cross, and follow him. We have to be like him. So we shouldn't shy away from suffering. But if the Lord sends it, accept it, and use it for our sanctification and for the salvation of others, especially those who are most in need. We also learn from the first three apparitions of Our Lady and that of the angel, the reality of sin as an offense against God and also as an offense against the Immaculate Heart and the tragic consequences for sinners and for nations. Nations also suffer because of sin. Each sin reduces grace and endangers the salvation of others. And Arturo Santos's kidnapping of the children and, and breaking of the, uh, the covenant, the agreement, led to the miracle being reduced. So also our sins, it reduces grace and endangers the salvation of others. In the in the June apparition, Our Lady asked for the flight from sin and amendment of life as an indispensable condition and for the state and to live in a state of grace. The angel spoke of the solidarity of the mystical body of Christ. We pray for each other. We offer sacrifices for others that they may be saved. In the July um, apparition, we learned that intercession of the Mother of God as a powerful mediatrix and a dispenser of grace. So we turn to her constantly, asking her to enable us to form in each and every one of us again the image of her son. She is the mother of the church. She begets us in Christ. The necessity of penance and prayer and their value in atonement and intercession was something that the angel um, made clear and Our Lady also. Constantly she was asking for the rosary, each and every time. Pray the rosary, pray the rosary. 
the love of the heart of Jesus and Mary and the great revelation of Fatima was made known by the angel. The hearts of Jesus and Mary have designs of mercy on you. The importance of Marian devotions, particularly the excellence and the efficacy of the rosary, the new the devotion of the first um, Saturdays of the month, and the value of the consecration to the Immaculate Heart. At each and every one of the apparitions, Our Lady stressed this. The powerful action of grace, which so transformed the little children and led them to closer union with God, was made known in all of the apparitions. Each, when the angel appeared and when Our Lady appeared, they grew to love God more and more. So then if we likewise keep close to our angel, our guardian angel, ask his intercession constantly, if we have a, a living devotion to Our Lady, we can only love God more. Russia, simultaneously a scourge that punishes the sins of the world and the object of divine mercy. Its promised conversion can only come about through the intercession of the Immaculate Heart. And that was made very clear in the July apparition and subsequently in 1929 and 1931. The sanctification of the family in imitation of the vivid scene of the in the last apparition. The first apparition, the first um, tableau scene was that of the Holy Family. So again, we need to form our families in the image and likeness of the Holy Family. What does that mean? Well, it means, first of all, the marriage, one man, one woman, united, the, the union blessed by the church, willing and recognizing that they have a vocation to be the means of salvation for each other. Doesn't St. Paul say that the believing spouse will be the salvation for the unbelieving spouse? Corinthians, this is what he says. And that each marriage must be fruitful. It cannot be contraceptive. This is a violation of God's law. Devotion to the Holy Father is also necessary. We are to pray for the Holy Father. Our Lady made that very clear. And when we have serious concerns about the Holy Father, we just pray. Because there's nothing more that we can do than that. We have a duty to speak the truth clearly. If we know our faith and we hear any priest or bishop even the Pope, saying something that is contrary to it. We have a duty to express our concern. And this duty comes from the natural law. It comes from a right that's expressed in the law of the church and from common sense. We have a duty to speak up. And the final triumph of the Immaculate Heart was promised. And this, in fact, is what we can look forward to. We can hope. We know that, to, to um, paraphrase something that um, Cardinal Ratzinger had said, we cannot mess up everything completely. 
God is always in charge. God is always in control. We may make a mess, and the Holy Father asks us to make a mess, but we can make a mess, but God will, in fact, bring order out of it. The rosary is the answer to the chaos in which the world currently is. I'm firmly convinced of this. There are many secrets of the rosary in St. Louis Magdalene as you know. wrote a whole book on them. But just to give you an inkling to some of these mysteries, the rosary consists of the three mysteries, joyful, sorrowful, and glorious. Each of these has um, 50, 50 Hail Marys. And then you have the three lead, lead Hail Marys. So altogether, you have three, 50 for the joyful, 50 for the sorrowful, 50 for the glorious, 153 Hail Marys. Would you believe it's a coincidence that between the 13th of May and the 13th of October, there are 153 days. Our Lady has tried all kinds of things to get us to understand the importance of the Rosary. When we pray the Rosary, we are using all of our being to communicate. With our lips, we say the prayers. With our hands, we roll the beads. With our imagination, we consider the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord. All the things that he suffered for us. Our faith, our Catholic faith, is summarized very briefly. The Incarnation, the Passion, and the Resurrection. That's it. Jesus Christ crucified, risen from the, uh, or the seed of David is what I preached. The risen Christ, the, um, the, seed, the son of David, is what I preached, says St. Paul. And this is what we must keep close to. As Christ suffered and died, so also must we suffer and die, which means essentially rejecting sin. If we can resolve to say the rosary every day, we will certainly attract the graces necessary for us to survive these tumultuous times. The rosary individually or in families, preferably in families. Commit yourself to saying it at a particular time every day, if it's before supper, after supper. But there must be a time to say it. And if you have young children, do it. It is not how well we do it that matters first, but the fact that we do it. My, I grew up on the, on the rosary. It's the first prayer that I think I learned. I remember my grandmother having all of us around her bed, and we'd all recite the rosary. My brothers, uh, four, my brothers, their families say the rosary. When, certainly Greg and Joe, when they were, their children were growing up, the children were, were talking about 
children still nursing. Not so, um, I suppose the eldest might have been then about 10 and there were six others behind it. Greg had 10 children. Every day without fail, Sunday to Sunday, after supper, everybody came and said the rosary. The little ones would make a fuss and they'd pull the beads and break the rosary and so on. Didn't matter. They said the rosary. They would fall asleep eventually, but they said the rosary. Their two sons who are married have their children now, and they also say the rosary. Greg had four, um, four sons in the seminary at one time. One has, was just ordained a deacon um, this year. It can only be attributed to the rosary. Joe has nine children. One of his sons um, entered the seminary. But his vocation was to marriage. He got married last year. But the point is, all of them say the rosary and all their children practice. And not just go to Mass, but practice. They believe. And I firmly, am firmly convinced that we need to hold on to the essence, the substance of our faith, the basic things, the Blessed Trinity, the Incarnation, the Passion of our Lord, the Mass, the prayers that we used to say, know them, learn them, transmit them, pass them on. We need to believe in the existence of heaven and hell and purgatory. We have to pray for the souls in purgatory. Pray for the souls who are dying. Something, my, a personal devotion I have is every Mass I say, I always pause and I pray for the people who will die today. And then I pray for those who have died during the past night. Because I know one day I will die and I hope somebody will be praying for me when I am departing from this world. But apart from that, God wants, God wills the salvation of all. We also should want the salvation of everyone as well. And so I will end there. As I said, the topic of Fatima is vast and you can't, it's impossible to cover everything. But I, um, I did this hoping that it will inspire you at least to do the basic thing that's required of us, namely to pray the rosary. Our Lady asked for that each and every time she appeared. That we avoid sin. That we make reparation for sin. And that we try to fulfill God's will in our lives by accepting the difficulties, the sufferings, the tribulations that he sends. Knowing that he sends it because that's his way of purifying us so that we might become saints in his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, from which the Holy Virgin came to remind us. Let us then with confidence turn to her and ask her intercession as we say. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of death. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession, was left unaided. Inspired this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin, O Virgins, my Mother.
To you I come before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your mercy hear and answer us. Amen. Our Lady Fatima, our guardian angels, pray for us. Thank you. This MP3 recording has been made available by Family Life International. Help us to make many more available in order to promote our Catholic faith. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk and donate today. Mm-hmm.